Sometimes I'm not sure of all the things we say and do. Sometimes we do things I don't understand. Do right or wrong, I'll always stand by you. America, my home. America, As I was walking that ribbon of highway, I looked above me and saw the skyway. I looked below me and saw that valley.
of freedom never has come easy, but free is right, and right must stand the test. And even with Yankee Doodle! I thrill to see your glory flying home. 
Yankee Doodle went to town riding on a pony. Stuck a feather in his cap and called it macaroni.
patriotism has gone out of fashion. We seem to think our patriotic days are dead. We used to sing of our homeland with passion. But now we seem to shy away from it instead. I think it's time to hit the nail right on the head. This is a
From the lakes of Minnesota to the hills of Tennessee, across the plains of Texas, from sea to shining sea, from Detroit down to Houston, New York to L.A., there's pride in every American heart, and it's time we stand and say that I'm proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free. And I won't forget the men who died to give that right to me. And I gladly stand up next to you and defend her still today. Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. And I'm proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free. And I won't forget the men who died to give that right to me. And I gladly stand up next to you and defend her still today. Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the
Thank、you
Good evening. How's everybody doing tonight? Sounds like you're doing okay. For all you who are visiting here with us this evening, I want to welcome you. My name is Terry Trivett. I'm the youth pastor here. You are our honored guest tonight. We want to thank you for being here. We want to take a short admit, uh, what's it called? That's it, intermission. To let our stage hands change our stage. But since this is a good Baptist church and since we have all of you good people here, we're going to do what any good Baptist church full of good people would do. We're going to take up an offering. Somebody say amen. All right. Mushers would come forward at this time. Once again, I do want to welcome you here. Make yourself at home. Make sure you enjoy yourself. That's number one. We're here to uh, put on a show for you and want you to enjoy yourself. And there's a message here, and we believe you'll get it. But we hope you enjoy yourself. We're just good old country folk who enjoy a good time in God's house. And we appreciate you being with us. If you feel led to give tonight, this offering goes for the further expansion of this program. Next year, we want to do it again, want to do it bigger, and want to do it better. So if you feel led to give, you give tonight. Let's pray. Lord, we do ask you to bless America. And we've been reminded today that we need your blessings. And Lord, I pray that your hand will continue to be on this country. Touch the rest of this program. Bless this offering and all these people that have been here. Lord, we praise you and we thank you for what you're going to do the rest of this evening. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen.
Good evening, distinguished guests, ladies and gentlemen, young people, boys and girls. We have met here tonight to honor our nation and to remember our founding fathers. We want to remember their principles, their moral values, their faith in God, and even their willingness to give their all that a new nation under God might be born. No one will ever fully understand in this life why it has pleased God to bless the United States of America with an abundance unprecedented in history and with a freedom that is the envy of the world. When I think about America's greatness and her blessings, I can't help but ask certain questions. Is America's greatness and her blessings only by chance? If God has blessed America, why? And are we in danger of losing the blessings that we have so long enjoyed? Tonight, we want to take a journey through history, and I want to thank you for sharing the journey with us. In our opinion, this is America. No, America's blessings and her greatness are not by chance, as is obvious to any person who truly understands the events that shape this nation. Tonight, we want to highlight some of those events that we might better understand why it is that America is what she is today, how we arrived to where we are as a nation, and what will keep us strong. I think of something that Thomas Jefferson said. Can the liberties of a nation be thought secure when we have removed their only firm basis? A conviction in the minds of the people that these liberties are a gift of God. They are not to be violated by his wrath. Indeed, 
I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just, that this justice cannot stay forever. When Queen Isabella of Spain granted funds to Columbus to sail to the West Indies, he put together a small fleet of three ships, claiming divine inspiration. Well, let me let Columbus tell you in his own words, words taken from his own book, his book of prophecies. At a very early age, I began to sail the ocean for more than 40 years. I sailed everywhere that people go. I prayed unto the Lord about my heart's great desire, and he gave me the spirit and the intelligence for the task. Seafaring, astronomy, geometry, arithmetic, skills in drafting and spherical maps, and correctly placing the rivers, the cities, the mountains, and the ports. I also studied cosmology, history, chronology, philosophy. It was the Lord that put it in my heart. I could feel his hand upon me to sail from here to the Indies. All who heard of my project rejected it with laughter, ridiculing me. 
But there can be no doubt that the inspiration was from the Holy Spirit. For he comforted me with rays of marvelous illumination from the Holy Scriptures. I'm a most unworthy sinner. But I cried unto the Lord for grace and mercy, and they have covered me completely. I have found the sweetest consolation since I made it my whole purpose to enjoy his marvelous presence. No one should fear to undertake any task in the name of our Savior, if it is just, and if the intention is solely for his holy service. Sir, it's time we turn back. There is no land, and the rations are few. I, Captain Columbus, we're sickened with this rolling mass of water, and this mission is hopeless. I vote we return to Spain. Her Majesty has sent us to find India, and we have found nothing but water. I say return. Sir, if I may, I implore you to return. We have not enough to eat or water to drink, and we're anxious to see our families and home. We've agreed, and we insist you turn these ships back. I have begun to sail to the Indies, and I shall continue until we, until we find it with our Lord's help. Shelter from the stormy 
Columbus's words Adelante meaning onward did press on and he did find land land that he christened San Salvador meaning Holy Savior rarely ever mentioned is one of his objectives made clear when preparing for his fourth voyage he asked for clergymen to assist him in the name of the Lord Jesus to spread his name and gospel everywhere you see one of the desires of Columbus was to bring the gospel to the new world in his ultimate mission he would face disappointment but later Martin Luther would nail his 95 theses to the door at Wittenberg giving birth to the Reformation which would force the gospel to the shores of the new world a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper, he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. Did we in our own strength confide, our striving would be were not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Dost ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabaoth, his name, from age to age the same. And he must win the battle. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath will his truth to triumph through the prince of darkness grim we tremble not for him his rage we can endure for lo his doom is sure one little word shall fail him that word above no thanks to them abideth. The Spirit and the gifts are ours through him who with us sideth. Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also, the body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is his.
kingdom is, his kingdom is forever. More than 120 years later, the Mayflower would cross the same waters had Columbus. The crew, hardened seamen, a delegation of other recruits called strangers, and most important, the pilgrims. The trip would be no less perilous. Seasoned seamen would fear the sufficiency of the ship, and the passengers aboard would endure great hardships. But yet the Mayflower plunged on. Captain Jones, sir, we have no more wood to build a fire in the sandbox. And these passengers, these Christians, they're all getting sick with pneumonia. And even worse, sir, we have no food to eat either. And our bedding, it is wet with the salty spray. And our children, they are hungry. How much longer before we reach the coast of Virginia? Oh, I pray God will have mercy. And let us find land before we all die. Captain Christopher Jones scanned the vast body of water, not indifferent to the cries of his passengers and crew. Then he saw it. A shoreline just to the west of them, a goodly land, wooded to the brink of the sea. Captain Jones reported his sighting. Even after arriving in the new world, there were intense moments. No sooner had prayer been offered to God and the sailors began to argue with Captain Jones and was near mutiny aboard, and even the pilgrims found themselves involved in the argument. Also finding themselves in threatening shoals and roaring breakers, they were forced into deep water again. They were becoming a desperate people. 
back to England now. We have no provisions. Well, we're surely not going forward into the new world. Well, my men are in desperate need of rest, so we are drop anchor right here and rest. They eventually did find a good harbor, and the Mayflower anchored off of Cape Cod, Massachusetts. In the night hours, William Bradford drew up a compact that was the first agreement of self-government in the new world. That compact, the Mayflower Compact. Brother, may I have your attention? I have drawn up a compact, and I shall read it to, read it to you. We whose names are underwritten have undertaken for the glory of God and advancement of the Christian faith the voyage to plant the first colony in the northern parts of Virginia. Therefore, we enact such equal laws as shall be thought most feasible for the general good of the colony. In witness whereof we have signed our names at Cape Cod this 21st day of November, 1620, in the name of God.
Bradford, recounting the event several years later, wrote, We bless the God of heaven for bringing us over a fast and a furious ocean and a sea of trouble before. He then quoted from God's word, Let us therefore praise the Lord, for he is good, and his mercies endure forever.
In a little more than a decade, some 20,000 colonists had made their way across the Atlantic to New England. Not all of them were Puritans, perhaps less than one-fifth were professing Christians. But it was the Puritans that established our first form of government, built our first schools, erected our first churches, and set the moral tone for a new nation. You see, Christians and non-Christians alike lived under a church-state rule. You see, history loudly testifies of the sovereign hand of God behind the foundations that were laid in this country, foundations that were laid by men and women that were determined to be free, free to live and to worship as their conscience dictated. The colonies had now grown to 13 spread up and down the eastern coast. Britain was becoming more aggressive, levying more and more taxes, and emotions were running high. The rumbles of independence were being heard, and at the Pennsylvania State House, now called Independence Hall, 
a committee was formed to draw up a Declaration of Independence. On July the 4th, 1776, Congress adopted that declaration. The 56 men who signed that declaration would pay a heavy price. Five were captured by the British and tortured before they died. Twelve had their homes looted and destroyed. Nine died in the war. Wealthy planter and trader Carter Braxton saw his ships go down to sea in battle. And he returned home after the war and was forced to sell his home and properties to repay his debts. Thomas McKean was so harassed that he was forced to move his family five times in five months. His family lived in poverty and hiding. Thomas Nelson, Jr. secured $2 billion on his own signature to provision our allies. After the war, he wiped out his entire estate to repay the loans. He died bankrupt and was buried in an unmarked grave. John Hart was forced from his sick wife's bedside, and for over a year he lived in forests and caves. He returned home after the war to find his wife dead, his children gone, and his properties worthless. He died a few weeks later of exhaustion and a broken heart. John Hancock stood outside Boston one night and said, Burn, Boston, burn, though you make John Hancock a beggar burn. His words would be prophetic. It would do as well to remember the price that these men paid, men who considered liberty and freedom more important than their own personal ease, comfort, and wealth. 
men who paid a heavy price, but freedom was born. If there were to exist a Freedom's Hall of Fame, there is no question that certain voices would echo from its hallowed corridors, such as America's great patriot, Benjamin Franklin. I have lived, my friends, a long time. And the longer I live, the more convincing the proofs I see of the truth, that God governs in the affairs of men. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, is it probable that an empire can rise without his aid? The dynamic defender of liberty, Patrick Henry. It cannot be stated too often or too emphatically that this great nation of ours was founded not by religionists, but by Christians. Not upon religions, but upon the gospel of Jesus Christ. For this very reason, peoples of other faiths have found asylum, prosperity, and freedom of religion here. The chief architect of our Constitution, James Madison. We have staked the future of all our political institutions upon the capacity of mankind for self-government and upon the capacity for each and all of us to govern ourselves, to control ourselves, and to sustain ourselves according to the Ten Commandments of God. Our Revolutionary War Commander and Father of our country, George Washington. It will ever be the first desire of my heart to aid your devout endeavors, to include a due sense of dependence that we ought to have upon that all-wise and powerful being upon whom alone our success depends.
America prospered as thousands came to be a part of the land of liberty. Then when America was less than 100 years old, it faced perhaps its greatest crisis. A civil war threatened to destroy the Union. North and South found themselves divided. And at the heart of the division was the abolishing of slavery. A sad chapter in our nation's history, and I repeat, a sad chapter in our nation's history is the story of slaves who were forced to work and maintain the large southern plantations. Life was hard for the slaves working in the hot fields by day, often being separated from their families and living in very poor conditions. Thank you. 